to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome, guys. Welcome to episode 60. Oh my gosh. We're nine episodes away from Legendary. What are we going to do? Yes. Okay. You know what I realized about episode 69 is that it almost falls on 420. I was looking at the schedule. It's the week after 420. And I was trying to figure out a way for us to make it so that we can record it on 420. And I don't think there's any way we can do it. Why not? Well, because so 421 is the upload date of episode 68. And then the week after is the upload date for episode 69. So the only thing I could think of is we could we could technically upload episode 69 on 420 and then upload episode 68 the next yeah. week. We could like switch no, let's it do that. so that it's out of order. Let's okay. do that. All right, guys. See you on 420. It'll be like a little Easter egg for people who are actually paying attention. That's true. I know. Well, I'll probably get a bunch of tweets being like, hey, you titled it r- incorrectly and be, be like, nope, this is what we wanted. We planned on this. <laughs> I think that's worth it. I think the historical think so like relevancy of that decision will be made unanimously important throughout the, the annals I, yes. of history. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that I also need to start planning because 69 is mine. You have 50 and 100 and 420. I have 69 and 666. So I'm very mad about this right now. For 69. I didn't realize that. I'm angry. <laughs> There's, I like how you tried to make it sound well, like episode 100 is anything. No one gives a shit. That's a big fucking no. deal. That's a big fucking deal. 100 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. That's all I got to say about that. Whatever. well all this means is that we're definitely gonna have to keep doing this podcast for like 20 years so that way you get episode 420 and episode 666 i hope to god that we have moved beyond (laughs) this podcast in 20 years i hope everyone who listens to this has moved beyond this podcast in 20 years you guys if you're ready to be 40 years old listening to let's get haunted drop a comment in the soundcloud right now and i guarantee i'll look at it and i'll feel good about it (laughs) well now that you say it like that that sounds kind of cool but yeah i just feel i hope we've progressed like i hope we've grown as people and a brand like i hope by then we have our own show on the travel channel or own haunted network or i hope we're just not getting like screwed like, because we've been getting <laughs> just fucked by the, the industry. We've been the yes. for two years. Yeah. yeah. Have we have we ever told people about how we've been fucked? Like, people have offered us, like, shitty deals for... No, because I, thought we, I, for, I uh, thought we were like, oh, but maybe they'll come around. And so we don't want to ruin that relationship. But maybe we should just burn it to the ground. I mean, it's tempting. I, how about this? We won't say the name of the network, but we have had... Wait, but isn't this particular network failing and going under anyways? Or no? I don't know. Okay. I You can never tell because it's like <laughs> the people who are at the top of the company get paid so much and keep getting their raises that it's like, are they going under? Or do they just say that so that they can keep offering shitty deals to people right. that are small like Tell us. everyone about this shitty deal and then let me tell you this forbidden story that will make you sad. Okay. <laughs> okay, wait, real quick, real quick. I did want to say somebody told me via email 
that Natalia, you might find this funny that we have had the wrong email address listed on our website for a year. I saw that email and I was like, I'm not telling Alyssa about this. This will make Alyssa very <laughs> angry. And this is something that I could have easily caught a long time ago. So I'm just going to pretend I didn't see this email and let her deal with it. Yeah, I dealt with it. I fixed it, you guys. Our email address is let's get haunted pod. That's let's get haunted pod at gmail.com. You can send us your listener stories. Next episode is a listener story episode, which is going to be pretty great. You can also email us um, random bullshit if you yeah, want. Yeah, we like that. If you're our stalker, you can send us death threats. <laughs> um, and we'll pass those off to the police. But anyway, <laughs> basically, there's no story. One time, we Natalia and I got a an offer, and we were pretty stoked about it. We had a network approach us saying, hey, we think you guys have something really A unique. big network. A big network. And they were, like, kind of really playing it up. They were like, oh, we really want to support women and women of color. And we're, like, looking to branch out into, like, an independent podcast space and really want to add you guys to our repertoire. And uh, here's the offer. They showed, they gave us the offer and I ran it by a couple of friends because I was like, is this shitty? It looks really (laughs) shitty to me, but I don't know enough about anything to make an educated decision on my own. And all of my friends that work in the industry were like, this is insulting. Like Like, if you accept this, you're like, you're basically saying that you're going to be an indentured servant to this network for two years. What exactly was the offer? Was it like they were going to run ads? I don't remember. I think it was they were going to run ads on our podcast and only give us 10% of revenue. Plus we had to pay for our own studio space and we had to pay to Mm -hmm. make it a visual podcast as well. And yes. the, the whole thing was like, we're an audio only podcast because we're independent. Like we can't afford to have all of these whistles and bells right now. All right. Let's just continue to yeah. let our listeners think we're fat, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> or somebody said the other day on Twitter, I like to picture that Nat is a feral cat and Allie is a golden retriever with glasses. I so love that. I love that. I want you guys to picture whatever you want in your minds. We could be anything. We could be, I could be the Mothman. But wait, as a feral cat. Cat, to have a video as a feral cat i have to continue tearing this network down because you guys haven't even heard the most disrespectful <laughs> part so this fucking network i'm saying network in quotations even though it's a real network <laughs> this network <laughs> this alleged yeah, network. they told us oh you have to pay to have visual added to your podcast and we were like we're an audio only podcast because we're poor and they were like, sorry, nope, we don't do um, audio only podcasts. So f- uh, fuck you guys. And then we're like, OK, well, fuck you guys, because we can't accept that deal. <laughs> We'd be like making less money than we do now somehow. Exactly. And then within a month, they make a podcast. W- that's basically the same thing that we're doing. Yes. That's audio only after they specifically said they would never entertain an audio only podcast with two white males let that let that sink in guys picture the meme of the sink outside of a door that says let that sink in yeah and just picture it and let it sink in and i don't even give a shit about the white male thing but (laughs) the fact that they said they wanted diversity and they wouldn't take an audio only podcast and then they literally make an audio only podcast with the same content with two white males is just like the opposite of what they said why didn't they just from the beginning be like hey we think you guys are really talented but we want to pay you bullshit because we're a company and we want to make money (laughs) 
why did they like have to paint it and pretend like it was something other than it was? Right. I also feel like that would have been totally understandable. Natalia and I are not the kind of people to like drag someone on the internet or like sue somebody. If somebody had just approached us and been like, hey, we think you're okay, but mostly we just want to make money off of you. I think we both would have been like, oh, appreciate the honesty. No, thank you. Like <laughs> nothing bad would have happened. But instead they made this whole long spiel right. about how they wanted us. And then, yeah, turn. and I'm pretty sure those guys that they hired, I'm pretty sure they're salaried. Well, then whatever. I mean, whatever, honestly. <laughs> and I, are they doing really well right i think so it's a huge network after yeah. this happened Alyssa and i were like well they won't be able to do as good of a job as we do and then like within a week they had way more reviews and five-star reviews than we'll ever have in our entire lives on their podcast and we were like all right like it's okay we've got the haunted fam <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you haunted fam for sticking with us and speaking of five-star reviews it would really help us out if you go to itunes right now search let's get haunted and leave us a five-star review please write something in the review as well but don't write oh i'm here because they said leave a five-star review because then itunes flags your account as like paying people for reviews even though that's false oh yeah so just leave something be like oh i fucking love lgh five stars best podcast ever right they saved my life uh, I was tied to the train tracks and a ghost train was about to run me over and they came and they rescued me. Like, just write a really long, elaborate story. Five stars, please. Because I looked on there the other day and for some reason we have seven one star reviews that just popped up overnight with no comments on them. And I'm pretty sure it's the stalker. And so I would really like it if you guys could just counteract that with a bunch of positivity and you can meme in your review. That's totally fine. Just give us five stars please dude every time the stalker starts like getting wild like it's annoying but like then really good stuff happens in our life i think it's like the black magic backfiring so like the stalker is like oh like i need to send out negative energy to these people because i'm jealous of them and then that jealousy like turns into power for me i absorb it right But also, there's literally nothing to be jealous of, which is the most infuriating part. But, you know, neither here nor there. No time to explain. If you don't know what we're talking about, you can search Beyond the Pine on YouTube. And we talk about this in detail on the haunted episode, I believe it's called. It says haunted episode featuring Let's Get Haunted. We went on our friend's podcast and we talked about this last Mm -hmm. year. Last thing I wanted to say, speaking of feral cats, is that I woke up the other night at 3 a.m., on the dot to the most horrifying noise I had ever heard in my life right outside my window. It sounded like a cat being torn to shreds by coyotes. And I looked out my window. There was nothing there. I was like, okay, I probably can't see anything because it's dark. Like in the morning, I'm sure I'll find this cat torn to shreds. It's going to be horrific. And this went on for like an hour of this cat just making these... I mean, I'm assuming it was a cat. try to make the noise, like recreate it? (laughs) like that but also like i'm trying to think because i had a cat and sometimes when we would put him in his pet taxi which he really did not like he would be like and then he'd also be like it was like yes okay that sounds a little bit like it it was like a whale i'm not a cat owner so yours are much better (laughs) yeah it was like a whale but also like a haunted whale that was about to explode and then i had this thought in my half awake state of mind 
because it would not end. This cat would not shut the fuck up. I was like, what if this is a human that is... Because didn't you tell me a story during the staircase in the woods about someone that imitates a cat or a crying baby or something, and then you go outside to help it, and then it's a, just a man that murders you? Oh my god, I don't know, but that sounds real, and it's terrifying. Yeah, I was super scared, and then I fell back asleep in the morning. I went out there, no cat, no fur, no blood, nothing. I have no fucking idea what it was. I'm just saying cat because that's all I can think of. Oh my god, that's a ghost. Haunted ghost yeah possibly i mean 3 a.m it's the witching hour but that's my only personal hauntings um is that we got the email wrong on our website for a year (laughs) it is now fixed and and i may have been visited by a ghost or a murderer oh that's amazing i love that i don't have any personal hauntings other than the fact that i researched two separate stories before i landed on this story and they but all ended up to just suck and i want to say it was because you listeners are not giving good (laughs) advice everyone's like oh you have to research this story and then i'm like wow okay and so i like start researching the story and then i'm like okay this is a garbage story for garbage why are you guys interested in this at all and i like tried everything i could to make these two stories interesting and then i was like fuck this i'm just gonna go go the opposite route and do something else well i'm very excited to hear what you have planned for me today natalia texted me and she said what did you say to me like this is you used an adjective that you had never used before and i was just like what does this mean it was like this story is this is a forbidden story yes a forbidden story i was thinking like does this mean it's a curse story does this mean i'm about to be like banished like what does this mean and so i'm very excited first of all Thank you for being excited. Second of all, I want to apologize to everyone (laughs) who tries to stay involved and tell us stories that they think would be good (laughs) to research for the (laughs) podcast. I didn't mean to drag all of you guys or discourage. Continue to keep doing it. Continue. Yeah. Continue to keep telling stories, especially on the Discord. That's like where I go to get ideas from because I feel like Alyssa never looks at it. So then that way we won't pick the same stories. Oh, that's a good strategy because you're right. I lost my um, (laughs) login password for Discord like a year ago and I'm just I mean I'm sure it's really simple I could just do like lost my password or reset password but I haven't gotten around to it yet so you're right if you pull stuff from the Discord I'll never see it it. like really plays into my feral cat nature because the people on there are psychopaths I will say (laughs) like I really identify (laughs) with them it's feral energy on the Discord if you guys want to join the Discord uh, figure it out it's some it's on the link tree (laughs) there's no time to explain all right Alyssa first of all I want to say that this story is very hard to get through trigger warnings all over this this story has human torture and just all kinds of fucked up stuff honestly you should be triggered by this I'm just gonna go ahead and say you're gonna be triggered by this but if you're somebody who is not gonna get mad at us then continue to listen but if you're somebody who's going to get <laughs> mad, then don't listen. But I can guarantee that at least part of the story will trigger people. But I will say it ends, surprisingly, with none other than Nicolas Cage. What Nicolas the fuck? Cage is woven into this story in the weirdest way you could possibly imagine. <laughs> well, shit. I'm ready. I'm Wait, let me buckle in. Let me tie the tie around my robe. Let me buckle up. Okay, I'm ready. Do you have any idea what I'm going to talk to you about today, Alyssa? Okay, human torture and Nicolas Cage. I'm going to say 
I don't know. Mm, wow, what a brave answer. <laughs> so brave. I mean, I guess I could guess. Did Nicolas Cage torture someone? <laughs> I'm sure in some way. There's some people who really yeah. don't enjoy his movies. Yeah. I was going to say I watched uh, The Wicker Man. Mm. I was going to say you're telling me a story about The Wicker Man, but no. No. Okay. I don't want to insult Nick Cage because I want him to come on our show. Right. Nick Cage, if you're listening to this, come on the show. Episode 69. Yeah. Oh, my God. We'll pay you. That would be amazing. I will apply for a loan. I will. <laughs> and then I will pay you several hundred dollars because I don't think I could get approved for much more than that. I wonder how much it would cost to get Nicolas Cage on our podcast. Like if we could get it alone for like $10,000, would he do it? And if he did, would we be able to make that back in revenue from people listening to the podcast? That is a great question. You guys leave a comment in the SoundCloud <laughs> below if you think it would be a good idea for us to take out a personal loan from the <laughs> bank and then give that money to Nicolas Cage. Now to switch gears. Alyssa, the story I'm about to tell you is completely true. It's important to remember that the macabre events, which I'm about to recount, were the harsh reality for many enslaved Black Americans. This tale is a nonfiction tragedy created by a woman of pure, sadistic nature. The cruelty that permeates this story is woven deep into the fibers of American history, and although it's difficult to recount these events due to their graphic qualities, in retelling this tale, we preserve the true history and identity of a people who suffered. In telling this story, we shed light on the shame and immorality of the past in an effort to brighten the future of American history. Well, I already know this is going to be uh, scarring. I already know that I'm going to have nightmares. And I appreciate how beautifully you wrote that intro, Natalia, because it's true. There are many terrible things that have happened throughout American history. And if we choose to not repeat them, then we're doomed, yeah, to repeat them, right? If you don't recount them verbally and teach people about them, then it's possible that those actions could take place again. So I'm ready to listen to this cursed tale. Thank you for being so brave. Alyssa, can you tell me what was going on in Louisiana in 1787? I'm going to go ahead and say slavery. Yes, that's one thing that what was happening. What year did you say 1787? Is that what you said? 1787. Okay, so the Constitution and Declaration of Independence were signed 1776. So this is 10 years after so I'm assuming war and um, the southern states having plantations and slavery and cotton fields or something. Right. Tobacco? So, somewhere along. Tobacco yeah, there there was tobacco. There was cotton going on. We didn't do emancipation until 1865, I believe, which is when the slaves mm -hmm. were freed. Right. But I think the I think slavery, like the last slave ever in the United States was like way too recent. I want to say like 1901 or something. Yeah, that's basically what was going on in Louisiana in 1787. Louisiana was really special because it was a mixing pot of different cultures. So you had French colonialism going on, then Spanish colonialism going on there. You also had Native American cultures because obviously they were here before any of those people. Plus you had British colonialism going on and then you had African American slaves. So you have just this huge mixing pot of different cultures that made a really rich and lively city, especially in New Orleans. But Louisiana in 1787 had just begun 
to try to become a state. And I didn't know this about Louisiana, but I guess the process for the transition from a territory to a state is like really carefully laid out in this ordinance called the Ordinance of 1787, which predates the ratification of the United States Constitution. And it's basically there's like a bunch of guidelines for what it takes to become a state. And Louisiana did not meet a lot of these guidelines because Louisiana was basically without like shaming Louisiana. The United States or the Union at that time thought that New Orleans and specifically Louisiana was just like a trash land of trash people. And they didn't want to invite them into the Union because they said that, oh, well, there, you know, debauchery, there's prostitution going on, there's gambling going on, there's drinking, and it's it's a, quote, unique culture that we just don't even want to, like, invite into the Union. They, they don't even speak English there. They speak Spanish. They speak French. I mean, they said just, like, all this basically fucked up stuff. They tried to prevent Louisiana from becoming a state. I didn't know that either. Yeah, but the main reason was just because the Union didn't want to lessen the influence of the original Union states that were in there because they were like, we kind of have all of the influence over what laws are being made so that we can make laws that benefit ourselves. And if we add in this other state, now we have to listen to what they're saying, right? Right. So eventually, Louisiana was the first state west of the Mississippi River and part of the Louisiana Purchase to seek statehood, and they became a state as it is today. But basically, Louisiana in the U.S. in 1787 was sort of like what Las Vegas is to the U.S. today. You can get away with a lot there, and the culture serves as kind of like the perfect backdrop for the atrocities, which I'm about to tell you. So, do you know what I'm about to tell you about yet? Any other clues? Well, if it has to do with New Orleans, I'm thinking voodoo. That's part of it. Okay, that's part of it. I'm thinking this is possibly a voodoo story. You've already said that it involves slavery um, and it involves human torture. I'm, I, yeah, I'm thinking it has to have something to do with maybe witchcraft or voodoo or just like a terrible fucking white lady that chains people up. Ding, 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 Oh, ding. you guys, I got it. So Marie Delphine McCarty was born in New Orleans, Spanish Louisiana, on March 19th, 1787, as one of five children. Her father was Louis Bartholomew de McCarty, whose father, Bartholomew de McCarthy, brought the family to New Orleans from Ireland around 1730 during the French colonial period. Both of Delphine's parents were prominent in the town's European Creole community. Her uncle by marriage, Esteban Rodriguez Miro, was governor of the Spanish-American provinces of Louisiana and Florida during 1785 to 1791. And her cousin, Augustine de McCarty, was mayor of New Orleans from 1815 to 1820. And here are some portraits of Madame LaLaurie. She sounds very well connected. Sounds like she comes from a well-off family and connected to the political figures of the area, some wealthy landowners of the area. So I'm just assuming she's straight up evil. Yes, she was definitely well-connected, just like you're saying, and she was kind of known around New Orleans as being this 
woman who was a socialite she hosted these like amazing parties at her house where all of the coolest people of new orleans would come she had writers and artists and prominent people of the scene of that time come and visit her and write articles about her she was very well known she would have been like a celebrity during that time yeah natalia just sent me two photo or two portraits i should say of this lady now the first thing i notice is that these portraits look like they're of completely separate people which i just feel like <laughs> is very common for paintings it's like sometimes you'll get a painter who is overlooking all of your flaws. Like I'm just remembering the story you told me about the cursed king of Spain. Yeah. And it's like in one painting, they painted him as he is, which was not very attractive at all. And then another one, it's like they were really trying to like airbrush him almost. <laughs> so that's what I'm noticing from these. So the first one Natalia is showing me is of a black and white painting. Um, yeah, she looks like a white lady. She's got a part down the middle of her hair. It's either in a bun or a ponytail, and it's brown. It's perfectly straight. She's kind of smiling, but not really. She's got a big forehead, and she they painted her with like a very tiny waist and a very large like bosom area, but I'm I'm thinking that was an exaggeration because if you look to the second painting, this one is kind of like a maroon color and she just looks totally different. Um, her hair is in like, if you picture Kiara Knightley in any period piece that she's ever been in where it's like those curls with the part down the middle and they're like the curls are kind of like pinned up to the head. That's what it looks like to me. And then she's wearing a long sleeve, very buttoned up dress and she's frowning in the second one in yeah you have to assume if you pay a bunch of people to make a portrait of you that they're gonna try to do a good job you know they don't want to like insult you because you're paying them a bunch of money and so if this is right. what they came up with then they're very modest <laughs> photos so yeah or portraits. i also feel like i also feel like when you do have paintings that are so different from each other of one person you just know that person was ugly right because <laughs> if the person was attractive nobody would no painter would be like oh i gotta make her look like this like you know they would person. just be like painting yeah painting yeah. as she is yeah. But maybe I'm just biased because I already know this is going to be a terrible story. So I'm like, she's the worst. She's ugly. She's terrible. This woman, Marie Delphine, was also portrayed by Kathy Bates in American Horror Story. They did a whole season oh. about this. Just so you I know. I think I've seen part of that season. Oh. There's like a coven, right, in New Orleans? Maybe that's why I like subconsciously thought. Yeah. So Marie Delphine married her first husband, Don Ramon de Lopez y Angulo, on June 11, 1800, and Don Ramon was a highly ranked officer for the Spanish army. The couple traveled to Spain a few years after they were married, but unfortunately, on their way to Madrid, Ramon died in Havana. In addition to her husband dying, Delphine gave birth to her first daughter on their trip to Madrid. The new widow took her newborn baby and made her way back home to New Orleans. Spooky. Very spooky. It wasn't long before Delphine married again. In June of 1808, Delphine was married to Jean Blanc in New Orleans. Jean was a man of many traits. He worked as a banker, a lawyer, and a legislator. The couple had four children together in their new home that was known as the Villa Blanc. Unfortunately... 
Delphine's second marriage didn't last long because Blank died in 1816. This seems like she's murdering people. (laughs) She's lost two husbands is what you're telling me. I mean, I guess the 1800s people just died left and right from like a cold. But still, this seems suspicious. Seems suspicious. After Jean's death, Delphine found herself yet again a new husband. Delphine married Leonard Louis Nicolas Lalaurie on June 25th, 1825. The couple purchased a home at 1140 Royal Street. Madame Lalaurie gradually began to build a three-story mansion with separate living quarters for the slaves. And I'm going to send you a photo of that mansion. I'm ready. Okay, guys. So I am looking at a very large building. And if you've ever been to New Orleans, it it looks like this. Like this is definitely like New Orleans style. There are uh, a lot of arches. It's three stories tall. Um, it has a lot of beams. It has that wraparound porch on the second level, like wraparound balcony. I feel like that's very, very stereotypical of the South. Yeah, it's like a veranda. Um, it's very pretty. Yeah, it's very striking. Exactly. Yeah, it's three stories tall. And it, that was at the time that this was built, really tall building. And so it really stood out and it made Madame Lalaurie even more famous because people were like, oh, that's the Lalaurie mansion right and this building Mm -hmm. is going to become at the end of this story the most haunted building in new orleans fuck but let me get to that okay fast forward to 1831 madame delphine lalaurie is a wealthy woman of new orleans living in a three-story mansion as was the custom in new orleans at that time enslaved blacks were kept in attached quarters Lullory is a socialite who attends charities and gives back to the community. In fact, Madame Lullory was known in public to be polite to people, and court records show that she freed two of her slaves. But among the inhabitants of New Orleans, rumors began to spread of Madame Lullory's sinister secrets. Accounts of Delphine Lalaurie's treatment of her slaves between 1831 and 1834 are mixed. So you have half of the people of this town saying, oh, this is an awesome celebrity. We stand. What a wonderful woman. She's so charismatic. I read an article about her. I've seen her pictures and paintings. She is just a, such a cool woman. I want to be like her. And they're also say that she's so polite and her daughters are so soft-spoken and well-mannered. And then half of the people are saying, it's really weird how this woman's slaves and daughters never speak and they're really quiet and some of the slaves look really like skinny maybe like they're almost starved but I guess she did free two of them I don't know but people are are feeling like there's something weird about her you know when someone's just too perfect and you're just like they must be hiding something I also feel like if every single person in your family quote-unquote like every maybe household is a better way to put it if every single person in your household does not speak when you're around I think that's a telltale sign of like abuse Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah that's true Harriet Martineau the prominent 19th century English writer who visited New Orleans wrote in 1838 and recounted tales told to her by New Orleans residents during her 1836 visit of Lalaurie. The residents of New Orleans claimed Lalaurie's slaves were observed to be, quote, 
singularly haggard and wretched. However, in public appearances, LaLaurie was seen to be generally polite to black people and solicitous of her slave's health. In fact, funeral registers between the four years of 1830 and 1834 document the deaths of 12 slaves at the Royal Street Mansion. Although the causes of death are not mentioned, and infectious diseases could have easily been the cause, these 12 deaths include Bonnie, a cook and laundress, and her four children. Oh, wow. 13-year-old Juliet, 10-year-old Florence, 7-year-old Jules, and 3-year-old Leontine. That's heartbreaking. An entire family just wiped out in four years? I know. It's so sad. That's terrible. And that's what people are saying is like, this is kind of strange if we look at the funeral register. But at the same time, maybe it could be illness. But it gets a little Mm -hmm. more suspicious because the mother, Bonnie, who was only 30 when she died, had previously belonged to a refugee and was described in her sale as a, quote, chronic runaway. So perhaps, and I'm just injecting some, I don't know, thought into this, perhaps Madame Lalaurie punished Bonnie and her family for the behavior because running away as a slave is obviously like the one thing you're not supposed to do, you know? Right. So I don't know. It's It seems strange that we have someone who has the reputation for running away and then her and her whole entire family end up dying. God. But again. This is, yeah, this is so, this is just going to be a really sad episode. These are all just rumors. But remember, it ends in Nicolas Cage, okay? So you just. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, how the fuck does Nicolas Cage come into this? Did he come and free the souls of people trapped in Madame LaLaurie's mansion? We'll find out. You guys, comment below what you think Nick Cage did in this story to earn himself a piece of this episode. So court records at the time showed that LaLaurie freed two of her slaves, Jean-Louis in 1819 and Devanche in 1832. And the public in on general is on the fence about Madame LaLaurie. Like I said, some people are like, okay, she's a charitable woman who shows kindness and humanity to her slaves. After all, she freed two of them. But some say, I don't know, this woman, I'm calling foul play. She's sketch. Right. Would you like to hear some of the rumors that were spreading around New Orleans about Madame LaLaurie? Yes. And I also want to say, I don't know if you're going to say this during the episode or if you even have the information, but I'm going to make a guess. I'm going to say that the two people that she freed had dirt on her and they were like, hey, we're going to spread this far and wide unless you let us free. That could be a bad guess, but I want to believe that like she was watching her back, like that somebody right. had the one up on her and like figured her out. Maybe it was just all part of her public image. Oh, that's a good point. That's pro- that's more likely. Because I feel like if they had dirt on you, you would kill them, right? Yeah. No. As I was saying that, I was like, this is unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I think it was probably to uphold this image of like a perfect uh courteous white slave owner of new orleans oh god (laughs) what an oxymoron yes (laughs) yes there were rumors that madame lalaurie kept her 70 year old cook chained to the stove starving there were other rumors that she was keeping secret slaves for her doctor husband to practice haitian voodoo medicine on 
There were other reports that her cruelty extended to her daughters, who she would punish and whip if they tried to help the slaves in any way. One rumor said that a man was so scared of punishment, he threw himself out of a third-story window, choosing oh, wow. to die rather than be subjected to Madame Lalaurie's torture. In fact, Ugh. the third-story window is cemented shut and is still visible today. I'm going to send you a photo of that. Oh, God. So people are saying all of these bad things about Madame LaLaurie kind of in secret, you know, in the same way that a tabloid would be like, oh, Justin Bieber is cheating on his wife or something. You know, it's kind of like half the public is like, don't care. Also, there's no way to find out. And the other half is super invested. And they're like, yeah, Justin Bieber's cheating on his wife. (laughs) Like, I'm going to get angry about this and write a bunch of articles. You guys, Natalia sent me this photo and it is so creepy if you want to see the photos and assets that she's going to show me today go to at let's get haunted on instagram so i'm looking at a modern day like color photo of that um old timey photo that natalia showed me of madame lalaurie's mansion and on the third story two windows from the left second window from the left it's completely cemented shut and it looks haunted as shit like I can't believe people walk by this building every day and aren't and are okay. Like this, I don't know. It's very alarming. So as we know, the slaves quarters were separate from the rest of the house. But the rumor is about Madame LaLaurie is that she has this attic. That's the slave quarters or part of the attic, I should say. And one of the windows that was supposedly directly into the slaves quarters one day gets cemented shut at the same time there's this rumor that a man jumped to his death and there was an actual corpse but they just don't know why he jumped to his death or if he jumped to his death it's just the rumor right she could have pushed him out the window yeah who knows who knows him out yeah, or, you know, the skeptics at the time might just say, oh, well, ugh, an accident happened, you know, and so they cemented the window up so that that won't happen again. Right. Public rumors about LaLaurie's mistreatment of her slaves were so sufficiently widespread that a local lawyer was dispatched to the Royal Street Mansion in 1832 to remind LaLaurie of the laws for the upkeep of slaves and investigate allegations of mistreatment of the LaLaurie slaves. However, he found no wrongdoing. I call bullshit. However, the writer Harriet Montagu who was writing about New Orleans and like the accounts she was hearing from people is hearing the opposite from the people of New Orleans. One account describes Madame LaLaurie as becoming enraged when a 12-year-old slave girl named Leah accidentally hit a snag while combing LaLaurie's hair. LaLaurie chased the girl around the room with a whip until the child leaped off the balcony to her death. LaLaurie tried to cover up the incident, but witnesses saw her burying the girl's corpse in the middle of the night with lanterns, and police were forced to fine LaLaurie $300 and make her sell all the remaining slaves. That's it? Yeah. I guess at least they were... Okay, like, this is going to be an example of my comments are just going to be like, well, at least they did the bare minimum. (laughs) <laughs> like at least at least they removed people from her care quote mm-hmm. unquote like when in reality she should have been 
put in jail. I think because she had these political ties. I mean, her like one yeah. of her family members is literally the governor for several years that the sh- people might have felt like sh- they needed to protect her. You know, a police officer is not going to speak out against the the governor's uh, niece. And right. even though witnesses saw Lollary burying this girl's corpse with lanterns in the middle of the night, then when the police come and try to investigate, they're kind of like met with, oh, no, people, that's not true. Look at us. Like, everything's fine. We're all happy here. Here, help yourself to some cornbread or whatever the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever they ate back then. Help yourself to some dirt. Like, I don't even know. Like, what did they have in the 1800s that would have been a good enough offering to not investigate a murder of a child um immunity from like syphilis or something i don't know i'm also thinking what if she was bewitching people and like men in black mind wiping them so that way people wouldn't look into anything that she was doing also if you the rumors were circulating around that this woman was pure evil and her husband and her were practicing voodoo like black magic rituals on people i would be pretty afraid to get on her bad side you know if she was just murdering people and covering it up and she was like well connected in the political specter i would be like yeah i'm not gonna fucking fuck with this lady Right. So when the police go and they find her this $300 and they make her sell the rest of her slaves, there's nine of them, by the way, Lollary was found guilty of cruelly abusing her slaves. And that was the punishment is they were like, you know what? You're not treating these people with respect and humanity. So we're going to make you sell them and fine you. But Lollary foiled this plan by secretly arranging for her relatives and friends to buy the enslaved workers. She then sneaked the slaves back into the mansion where she continued to mistreat what? and torture them. And I just think that like makes me so sad because think you're one of these people who's being tortured. And then finally you think, oh, my God, I'm going to go to another house or another master where I'm going to be treated like just still like shit. But at least I won't but be at tortured. Least... Yeah. Right. And then you get bought back by your original owner. No, no. This is a, I horrifying. Have, I have bad vibes. Well, it's about to get a little bit better. In the middle of the night on April 10th, 1834, at the mansion at 1140 Royal Street in the French Quarter of New Orleans, a fire broke out. Some locals rushed to help, pouring water on the flames and offering to help the family escape the burning building. However, when the neighbors arrived at the mansion, they found Madame Lalaurie was alone. An entire mansion without slaves was shocking, and coupled with the rumors about mistreatment of slaves by Lalaurie was downright suspicious. A very angry mob of locals began to search through the house for Lalaurie's slaves. What this angry mob encountered altered the reputation of Madame Marie Delphine Lalaurie forever. Once known as a socialite and respected member of the upper class, would now become known as the savage mistress of New Orleans. When the police and fire marshals arrived at the Lalaurie mansion, they found the fire was not an accident. A 70-year-old woman, the family cook, was chained to the stove. Oh my God. She confessed that she intentionally had set fire as a suicide attempt. The cook feared Madame Lalaurie intended to take her to the third story torture room as punishment. 
She told the police that those taken upstairs never returned. The cook's account was published in the local press and outraged locals. Bystanders demanded that the rumored torture room be inspected. When the Lollaries denied inspectors' entrance, the mob broke down the doors and they found seven mutilated slave bodies. Oh my god. Some were hanged. Others were stretched at their limbs. And still, others were missing body parts. One surviving old slave woman had a wound on her head that left her too weak to walk. As reported in the New Orleans Bee of April 11, 1834, the bystanders broke down the doors to the slave quarters and found, quote, seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, suspended by the neck with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other, who claimed to be imprisoned there for months. One of those people who entered the premises was Judge Jean-Francois Canoget, who subsequently deposed to having found in the Lollary Mansion, among others, as a, quote, negress wearing an iron collar and, quote, an old Negro woman who had received a very deep wound on her head, who was too weak to be able to walk. Conoget said that when he questioned Lalaurie's husband about the slaves, he was told in an insolent manner that, quote, some people had better stay at home rather than come to others' houses to dictate laws and meddle with other people's business. What? A version of this story circulating in 1836, recounted by Martineau, added that the slaves were emaciated, showing signs of being flayed with a whip were bound in restrictive postures, and wore spiked iron collars which kept their heads in static positions. The story was further embellished in Journey into Darkness, Ghosts and Vampires of New Orleans, written in 1998 by Kalila Katerina Smith, the operator of a New Orleans ghost tour business. Smith's book added several more explicit details to the discoveries allegedly made by rescuers during the 1834 fire, including a, quote, Victim who obviously had her arms amputated and her skin peeled off oh in a circular God. pattern, making her look like a human caterpillar. What the fuck? You guys can't see me right now, but I am like sweating. I, one of my greatest fears besides death, which I've talked about before. Is on being turned show. into a human caterpillar? <laughs> no, that would be very oddly specific. No, amputation. For whatever reason, really? I know that people live with amputations... Um, and live very fulfilling lives. But I, for some reason, that's like something, whenever I would have fever dreams as a child, I used to have a lot mm -hmm. of really high fevers. I would, I would have dreams about like my legs falling off or my arms falling off. And I just feel like that childhood nightmare led to this oh phobia I have of like someone removing my limbs it's always something like that it's always like i'm playing soccer and then you know what i mean like someone cuts my legs off like as I, they I do during soccer games sometimes <laughs> i don't know that's very traumatizing yeah Alyssa is clearly sweating and very uncomfortable i'm very sorry yes. it's almost through that's okay i think this may be worse than last week's episode in terms of like I want to throw up. Yeah. So now I'm going to send you some photos that are just really fucked up, but it's basically this museum in New Orleans is like trying to recount this tale and they've, they have these dolls like Barbies that they've made into little scenes, almost like nativities of 
some of the things that I just described. But it's really just fucked up because you're just looking at like a white Barbie doll, like hovering over like black slaves who are chained. And I don't know. It's just uncomfortable. But I'm sending you those photos now. Okay, so Natalia is sending me photos and the first one has just come through. So the first one. Yeah, I see what you're saying, Natalia. These are dolls and it's of a white lady with black hair holding a candlestick in a bright pink outfit like pink and white lace and silk and then she's in the attic and there are what I assume are three slaves and there's like a child slave that's looks like she's yelling it looks like a little girl that's yelling trying to go downstairs then there is a man who is hanging from the roof from chains and he has a wound on his back and then there is another person I can't really tell from this picture I think it's supposed to be a man it's hard to tell because it's kind of a grainy photo and this person has chains around their wrist and neck and like just cut marks like slash marks like imagine somebody just took a knife and just slashed at this person's arms and legs it's horrifying but aren't these like I don't even know what you call these things like what do you call it when there's like little scenes? Sometimes people do it with mice. They make it look like mice are playing cards or something. Like taxidermy? Yeah. Like these like little weird miniature scenes. It's just so weird to just, I, I don't know, see that made into a scene. Yeah. But I at mean, the same it- time, I understand that although it makes us uncomfortable, like this was someone's reality. We have to confront that truth <laughs> that this really happened. You know, right. I, I get what you're saying. Like they could have chosen to do an illustration of what this looked like. But I think perhaps they knew it would be more effective to use uh-huh. miniatures instead because it's yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when you take a child's toy and right. it's like Chucky, right? Like the movie Chucky. I feel like what made that movie scary at the time was like, oh, it's an innocent child's toy that's like murdering people. So then when you take these dolls or figurines and put them in these poses, it kind of gives you a similar feeling of like, wait, that's supposed to be like an innocent child's toy. Like that's supposed to be a doll. And then it's in this like horrific murderous Mm -hmm. scene. So it's more effective, I think, I think than an illustration. Do you think Instagram's going to flag these photos? They flagged my body farm photos, but they didn't flag my spontaneous human combustion photos. So I feel like this is okay because it's just a recreation. It's like dolls. We'll find out, you guys. So obviously when people discovered this and they found out like, oh shit, these rumors that sounded so far-fetched, there's no way they could possibly be true, actually ended up becoming true. This mob of local citizens who lived around LaLaurie and had, you know, like allowed her to live in the city despite hearing all this despicable stuff about her, just assuming that it was fake, were pissed. And so they form this mob and they attack the residents and they, quote, demolish and destroy everything upon which they could lay their hands. A sheriff and his officer were called upon to disperse the crowd, but by the time the mob left, the property had sustained major damage with, quote, scarcely anything remaining but the walls. And then the remaining slaves were that were still alive were taken and 
horribly put in a local jail where they were available for public viewing just to convince the public what had really happened because people weren't even sure that they they were like there's no way people will believe that this actually happened so they put them in a jail and sadly the b reported that by april 12th up to four thousand people had attended to view the slaves to quote convince themselves of their sufferings yeah that's just horrific that's so fucked up right like why would you take people who were victims of torture and then be like by the way we're just gonna put you in a jail and let people come stare at you and be like well i'm glad that's not me fuck the Pittsfield Sun, citing the New Orleans Advertiser and writing several weeks after the evacuation of Lollary's slave quarters, claimed that two of the slaves found in the mansion had died since their rescue. It added, quote, We understand that in digging in the yard, bodies have been disinterred and the condemned well in the grounds of the mansion have been uncovered. Others, particularly that of a child, were found. These claims were repeated by Martineau in her 1838 book, Retrospect of Western Travel, where she placed the number of unearthed bodies at two, including the child, Leah, who had combed Lollary's hair and hit the snag. The rumors about Lollary's mansion have muddied the facts throughout the years, but they're just a few details that have stood this test of time. First, a group of locals found the slaves in the attic. Second, they had clearly been tortured. Uncorroborated reports from eyewitnesses claim that there were at least seven slaves beaten, bruised, and bloodied to within an inch of their lives, their eyes gouged out, skin flayed, and mouths filled with excrement and then sewn shut. Okay, so what we're describing here is a rich psychopath serial killer. Right. I've... Like, I don't know why this never occurred to me before, but, like, it probably was way fucking easier to be a serial killer in the 1700s, 1800s. I don't know. Like, I don't know why that's just now hitting me. I guess probably because the term serial killer wasn't coined until, like, what was it, the 1900s or 1950s or something? But like like Jack the Ripper. Right. Like, this is, like, just a straight-up serial killer, and she got away with it for way longer than someone would nowadays because... Mm -hmm she was inflicting her torture upon enslaved people. One particularly disturbing report claimed that there was a woman whose bones had been broken and reset so that she resembled a crab and that another woman was wrapped in human intestines. What? The witnesses also claimed that there were people with holes in their skulls and wooden spoons near them that would be used to stir their brains. There were other rumors that there were dead bodies in the attic as well. Their corpses mutilated beyond recognition. Their organs not at all intact or inside their bodies. Some say there were only a handful of bodies. Others claimed there were over 100 victims. So after this is all discovered, people like people are fucking horrified, yeah. obviously. This goes beyond the scope of normal punishment for a slave at the time you know this is disgusting and this mob goes to her house 
and burns the whole thing to the ground. And they're trying to find Madame Lalaurie and punish her for it, take her to jail, right. or this angry mob is looking for her. But she somehow escapes the mansion just before the mob takes control of it. And then what they did for the next 15 years is unclear. We just don't know what had happened to Madame Lalaurie. So someone was clearly hiding her, right? Like, I feel like she ha- she was that well connected. Maybe a family member bought a house in the woods somewhere and she was like just chilling there. Although the whereabouts of Madame Lalaurie are still unknown, there- there's rumors that Lalaurie and her driver were both missing and it was assumed that they fled to Paris. However, there was no word of her ever making it to Paris. And her daughter claimed to have received letters from her, though no one had ever seen them. And then, in the late 1930s, an old cracked copper plate was found in the New Orleans St. Louis Cemetery, bearing the name Lalaurie Madame Delphine McCarty, which was Lalaurie's maiden name. The inscription on the plaque, in French, claims that Madame Lalaurie died in Paris on December 7, 1842. However, the mystery remains alive, as other records located in Paris claim she died in 1849. Despite the plaque and the records, it's widely believed that while Lalaurie made it to Paris, she came back to New Orleans under a new name and continued her reign of terror. To this day, the body of Madame Marie Delphine Lalaurie has never been found. And here's a picture of that plaque. That's creepy as shit. So basically, this woman's haunted as fuck and very fucked up and is to be feared for obvious reasons. She's a serial killer. And then they think that she's disappeared to Paris. But over 100 years later, they find this plaque in a cemetery in New Orleans that's claiming to her. She died there and her body's buried there. Okay. So, so it says I'm looking. What's going on? Yeah. I'm looking at the picture Natalia sent me. It looks, yeah, like a metal headstone type plaque thing um, that you might find in a cemetery. And it says Madame La Lurie. Nay, Marie Delphine McCarty, and I, I don't speak French, so I'm sorry to all the people out there who speak French that are like, you're fucking pronouncing it wrong. Um, it says, died in Paris on, it says it in French, on 7 December 1812 at the age of, and then it's kind of rubbed out, says like six, and I can't see what the second number is. Yeah, that's fucking, cre- I don't like that. I don't like it. I, I need a resolution. I want to believe that like, the townsfolk found her before she could escape or like a group of vigilantes found her before she could escape and did some like inglorious bastard shit with her. Um, That's what I would like to believe. But just knowing how well connected she was, I feel like it is possible that she made it to Paris. I mean, it's not impossible, right? Like it's, she could have made it to Paris with her connections, with her family generational wealth. And especially if her daughter said that she continued to receive letters. I don't know why the daughter would lie about that. Like why? I I mean, it's kind, it seems kind of risky to even say that in the first place unless you, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, why would you lie about that? Yeah. So I don't know. That's really fucking unsettling. Well, in the spirit world, there is a little bit of fairness that ends up playing out because obviously now this house is haunted as fuck right right yeah and 
Although the original house was burned down by this angry mob in 1834, and the house remained in a ruined state for another four years, a new house was built on top of that burned down house in 1838 by this guy named Pierre Trasteur, which is supposedly a replica of the first house. Now, why the fuck would you do that? I don't know, but they did, and they rebuilt this fucking haunted-ass mansion on the same foundation as the real mansion. And now this building is commonly referred to as the Lollery Haunted House. Wait, people lived there? So here's the crazy thing is that over the following decades, it was used as a public high school, a conservatory of music, an apartment building, a refuge for young delinquents, a bar, a furniture store, and most haunted of all, a luxury apartment building. And people say that there are ghosts that go throughout the um, building. Quote, it is a house rife with the spirits of the dead, specifically the ghosts who met a tragic and violent end at the hands of a cruel mistress. They say wails of agony plague its rooms at night. Door slams. Furnitures move. Apparitions of slaves are seen walking around the property. Some are even in chains. But the ghost of Madame Lalaurie is never seen. It seems that the other apparitions have banished her from this particular haunted mansion. It may still bear her name, but most of all, it bears the scars that she left. Her spirit has been seen at the nearby St. Louis Cemetery, where she once worshipped. So the ghosts, like, don't even let her come by. They're like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. So now I guess you, I bet you're wondering, where does Nicolas Cage come into yeah, the story? What, did Nicolas Cage dig up her grave and beat up her corpse? Like, what happened here? <laughs> no. You, you're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> In April of 2007, actor Nicolas Cage bought the LaLaurie no! Haunted Mansion Why? for a sum of $3.45 million. Why? To protect the actor's privacy, the mortgage documents were arranged in such a way that Cage's name did not appear on them. Why? I don't know. I couldn't fucking figure it out either. So I Googled, like, Nicolas Cage, Lollery Mansion, and the only thing I found was this very weird, ominous article written for Vanity Fair by a woman named Julie Miller in September of 2014. Nicolas Cage told Vanity Fair, quote, I once lived in the most haunted house in America, the Lollery Mansion in New Orleans used to belong to Madame Lalaurie, a well-known 19th century socialite and serial killer. I bought it in 2007, figuring it would be a good place in which to write the great American horror novel. I didn't get too far with the novel. But then, Nicolas Cage sold it because he fell on really hard luck, and some people say, well, that's because the house bought, brought him a bunch of misfortune and writer's block. Why would you voluntarily... Nicolas Cage... Come on the show. I have questions. I want to know what were you thinking at the time? And also, what did you see in that house? Because there is no way that you could spend a night in that house and not see or hear some shit. Or at the very least, feel awful. Like, there is no fucking way. We've talked on this show before about, like, residual energy and vibes. And, like, I know that a lot of people think that it's bullshit. But this is a non-skeptic podcast. And I personally don't think it's bullshit. I absolutely believe in good and bad vibes. And so I just feel like how. Like yeah there's no way you could sleep in there. There's no. There's no way you could get a good night's sleep. Unless you were also a total psychopath. 
Well, interestingly enough, I didn't know this, but I guess people in New Orleans hate Nicolas Cage. What? Because because he's like obsessed with New Orleans and he's he's bought up all of this historical oh. property in New Orleans and that's like part of the reason he went like broke. And we're, the weirdest thing is he bought himself this huge pyramid to be used as a gravestone for him in the in the city's oldest graveyard. What? And it like sticks out against all of these like old historical graves. And it's like this huge, ugly pyramid that I sent you a photo of. And he's going to be buried there one day. Okay, you guys. But like, I'm- I didn't realize how fucking weird and creepy that. How is that? Like, that's so fucking weird and creepy. So Natalia sent me this photo. It is of a pure white pyramid. And there is a there are two plaques on the front. One is blank, and the one above it says "Omnia ab uno," which I assume is Latin. I have no idea what it means. I I feel like this is this is a perfect example of like why you never meet your heroes, or like why you never research celebrities that you think are funny. Because if you look long enough into anybody you're gonna be like wow this person is like actually kind of a piece of shit so I'm just you know not gonna look into it anymore but that's like one time Audrey and I went to a concert and we ended up getting backstage and meeting one of our favorite rappers and that experience made us like unable to listen to that guy's music ever again and we were we were just like, yeah, this is just a perfect case of like never meet your heroes. And I feel like, Natalia, you are ruining Nicolas Cage for me right now because I would be fucking pissed if some big celebrity moved into the place I've grown up my entire life. I feel like people I've bitched about this on Twitter before. I fucking hate and started it. doing weird shit yeah. like building pyramids for his buying, dead body to be buried in. right or just like buying up real estate so that I can't afford it like that's what I really fucking hate about celebrities that buy up rural ranch land that pisses me off so much because you know that they don't actually care about farming they don't actually care about livestock raising they're just like oh this is a fun old timey time i'm a rich person and i'm gonna buy up this land and live out my fantasy of being a cowboy but then they actually just hire townsfolk to actually run the farm so they're not even farming and then they drive up the property prices everywhere and they're the first people to go to local government and be like my neighbor's tractor starts up too early in the morning i think we need to have some noise violation laws and i'm just like go fuck yourself stay in hollywood you piece of shit there <laughs> there are people who saw matt damon and we bought a zoo right and they're like we're gonna do that exactly and they're just like pissing off all of the locals right well I sent you this video of these two fucking weirdos, I'm assuming. I don't know. Their name are Jack and Katrina. And they have this <laughs> show called Portals to Hell on the Travel Channel. Oh, I'm sure cool. they're nice people, yeah. whatever. But <laughs> this video is fucking weird. And they did an investigation at the Lollery House. And they found an anomaly with this laser grid that's pretty fucking convincing. So I want you to watch this video. Go to 3 minutes and 49 seconds. The okay, and this will be on the Instagram. These people do look like douchebags. Okay, three minutes. All right, guys. So I am on the Travel Channel YouTube channel. The title of the video is "Investigating the Lollerie Mansion: Portals to Hell." Travel Channel. We pretty much immediately in walking into the mansion, I was feeling dizzy, and it intensified in certain rooms, and. I, 
you know, it's, it's hard to know if that's paranormal right off the bat because it could be something in the environment that's just making you feel a little wonky. But I have had it happen in multiple locations where I can never find a natural explanation for it. It's a very weird experience, and it's not the same as, like, just getting dizzy from, you know, spinning around in a circle. It's a very different, distinct feeling to it. So whenever I, I touch on that, I normally say it out loud because I'm like, I bet you anything somebody else has experienced this. Yeah. What the f***? This is, this is really weird. You guys, do you want me to illustrate? Do you want me to say right what now? this is? Yeah. Oh, All right, guys. So in this video, these two. How weird is yeah, that? Yeah. These two douchebags are talking for a while. And then <laughs> this is probably how people view us, too. Um, And then a cameraman is pointing some, uh, his equipment which I assume has like some infrared capabilities or something. He's pointing it at a chair inside the house and all of a sudden popping up on his screen very obviously is like a stick figure. It's like two legs, two yeah, arms, like a, body. a head, and it's sitting on the chair. Like it's it, And it's smaller. Yeah. It's smaller because like the woman is also sitting in a chair next to it and her body is showing up on the laser grid as like a stick figure. But then next to her on a chair is like a smaller stick figure showing up, but there's not a person standing there. It's very interesting. Or sitting there. Okay, I'm going to continue Super video. creepy, right? That's yeah. it. That was the coolest thing. Yeah, that's creepy as shit. <laughs> the, you know what? Actually, the, thank you. Because I feel like I would be the kind of person that gets suckered into watching an entire episode of this. And so I appreciate that you watched <laughs> the entire episode and just showed me the 10 second clip that was worth it. <laughs> I Well, yeah, there there's cooler things to talk about. Okay, so I want to get into the theories, and then I have two very small other pieces of evidence to show you. I've come up with three theories here. One, Madame Lalaurie is a serial killer, right. which seems pretty obvious, right? Two, Madame Lalaurie is practicing some sort of black magic or voodoo or hoodoo. Hoodoo is magic, whereas voodoo is a religion, by the way. Okay. Or, number three, she's just a fucking evil bitch. Right. So... I personally like option number two, that she's doing black magic or voodoo or hoodoo, because it seems like death sort of follows her around, especially since her first two husbands died. Right. And I have some evidence at just how powerful voodoo, black magic, can be. I'm going to send you an article, Alyssa, that I want you to read Okay. from a website called fun107.com. It's called The True Story of Three Deaths Caused by a Voodoo Curse in Westport by a man named Tim Weisberg. And it was published September 25th, 2018. And it is fucking crazy as fuck. And you need to read it so that we're on the same page about <laughs> theories. <laughs> okay, got it. The first thing you need to know is that this is a true story. It's a story about voodoo, a story about three deaths that may have been caused by a curse, a story about a mysterious fish doll, black magic, and the havoc it wreaked on a South Coast family. And once again, it's all true. I first came across this tale when working on my book, Haunted Objects, Stories of Ghosts on Your Shelf, which I co-authored with my friend Christopher Balzano. 
Another longtime friend, John Brightman of New England Paranormal Research, answered my call for stories of haunted or cursed items with a story that might be unbelievable to most, but to someone who understands the dark and mysterious nature of superstition on the South Coast, stories of the fantastic are not so uncommon. John was requested to come help a woman in Westport. We'll call her Amanda, and we'll change all the other names, too with paranormal activity that had been ongoing in her home, which had been where she grew up with her mother, sister, and brother. All three had recently passed away, and the home had been plagued with phenomena such as objects moving on their own and doors that would open and slam shut. Amanda saw a mist come up from the basement doorway, and her young granddaughter said she saw her dead great-uncle Roger near the staircase. Fuck that. The home had previously belonged to Amanda's mother, Esther, who had lived into her 90s despite failing health. Also living with her in the home had been Amanda's brother, Roger, who was in his 60s but was also quite ill himself. He had shouldered the burden of caring for Esther, even though the youngest sister, Vivian, was also living there but refused to help with Esther's care. Roger was out of the house one day, and Vivian saw her chance. She told her mother about how her brother wasn't going to get any better and that he may try to put her in a nursing home to rot and die. Vivian swore to Esther that if she signed the house and everything else over to just her, she would see that Roger couldn't remove her from her beloved home and she could die there with dignity. She signed everything over to Vivian, including power of attorney. Well, Roger was furious when he found out. After all, he was the one sacrificing his time and apparently his own health to care for his mother. And on top of that, Vivian lied. Once Esther signed everything over to her, she put her mother in a nursing home anyway and told Roger he had to get out of what was now her house. Esther died shortly thereafter, with no cause of death ever determined, according to the medical records. Two months later, Vivian suffered a ruptured spleen and died unexpectedly. Roger gave in to his own health problems a few months after that, and within a span of eight months, all three had died. Amanda inherited the house and everything in it. She wanted to sell it and be rid of the reminder of all the family drama that she had to watch from the sidelines. It was while she was cleaning out the house that she discovered the altar. There was a small desk in Roger's room with three or four candles placed across its surface. In the center was a strange box. Before he took ill, Roger was a successful commercial fisherman, and Amanda thought it might have been something he came across in his travels for work. The box is about eight inches long and four inches wide, and almost looks like a jewelry box. Inside was a stuffed toy that appeared to resemble a fish, even though it was old and faded. Tacked to it were three photographs, two of which were of people she instantly recognized, her sister Vivian and her mother Esther. Little stick pins had had been inserted into the doll in various positions, making it resemble a voodoo doll. There was also a photo of a man she did not recognize. Also in the box were extra pins, some dried herbs that she thinks might have been sage, and mysterious oils and ointments with no labels. It looked like many of the items were quite old, and perhaps this was something Roger had been practicing for many years. Although Amanda had no way of knowing, Roger's work as a commercial fisherman brought him in contact with people of various cultures around the world. Sailing out of New Bedford, he worked alongside many seamen from Portugal and Brazil. In Brazilian culture, there is a form of black magic known as macumba. Is it possible that Roger learned this version of Brazilian voodoo from one of his fellow fishermen? 
Macumba rituals are often used to seek revenge on family members who have done harm, and the rituals often involve utilizing a photograph of the person you want to inflict the dark magic upon. For that reason, many superstitious Brazilians will not allow a photograph of themselves to be given to someone they don't know. So it's no surprise that after she discovered the altar, Amanda's house was plagued with paranormal activity. Amanda hired a medium to come in and possibly help any restless spirits move on from the house and to help remove any bad vibes brought about by her brother practicing voodoo in the house. The medium explained that the pins that were stuck into the fish doll were arranged in a way that would inflict pain on the intended target. Without knowing about Vivian or how she died, she pointed out that one of the pins appeared to be placed in what would represent the spleen. A shiver went down Amanda's spine. The medium also told Amanda that if they took the box with the doll from the altar and buried it in the yard, then the hauntings would stop. It didn't take, which is why she later brought in John and his paranormal group. They came in and investigated for over nine hours, but captured no signs of paranormal activity themselves. They even dug up the box and the doll in the hopes that bringing it back into the house would lead to activity, but nothing happened. John believes it's because the haunting was only meant for the family. The mystery also remained as to who the man was in the third photograph stuck to the stuffed fish doll. Speculation is that it could have been a partner in the fishing business that wronged Roger in some way. That might even explain why the doll was in the shape of a fish. When the box was removed from the property, John took it into his own possession before eventually turning it over to a legendary paranormal researcher and haunted collector star, John Zaffis. All the strange activity reached an abrupt end. A sense of peace that had been missing from the home for many decades once again filled its rooms. The curse apparently lifted. Yeah, it's fucked up. Also, Natalia, (laughs) okay, a fish doll... And a couple episodes ago, we learned about a cursed catfish. So now I'm thinking. Oh, my God. Our it's fish, all connected. Yes. Are fish mystical beings? Do they Are they all practicing wizards and, witch, and witches that have some sort of fishy oh witchcraft that they can conduct? New theory unlocked. All fish are haunted. Maybe that's like part of the karmic circle. Like if you fuck up, you turn into a fish. Or oh. actually... Remember that one story I told about like the the Japanese guy that went under the ocean to that like haunted world and they yeah. were like fish people? Yeah, and also mermaids. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. it's all coming together, guys. Okay. Yeah, that was not the route that I expected you to take after that story, <laughs> but that was still fun. So, circling back, that story shows that there are some fucked up things you can do with black magic in voodoo. And Lalaurie was rumored to have been practicing voodoo. So did she use some of these people, some of these slaves at, in part of her like sadistic rituals to get fame and fortune? Was her family doing that all along? Oh, good. You know, that's a, they were prominent point. people in the city. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, in terms of which theory I believe in I feel like I believe in all three of the theories that you mentioned I feel like in order to have success with black magic or whatever like the next level down because like to me black magic when I think of that phrase I think of things like 
uh, oh, I'm going to um, put a curse on you so that you go into debt or, oh, I'm going to put a curse on you so that you hurt yourself. But also mm-hmm. like whatever that level worse than that is, I don't know, like, is it, is it like devil magic? Like, I don't even know, like I'm using that in quotes, obviously. I know we have a lot of dope Satanists that listen to us. I'm just thinking like, <laughs> what, like, what is the level, like the worst level of black magic ever? I feel like you need to generate negative energy. Like you need to generate right. such horrible energy to achieve it that, yeah, I mean, maybe being a fucking serial killer generates enough negative energy so that you can successfully do these like insane terrible rituals so i feel like i believe in all three theories that you mentioned i think she was a serial killer i think she was just a straight up evil bitch and i also think that whether or not she was successful she was for sure trying to do some fucked up magic shit well i had the same thoughts as you so i literally searched the web to see what the fuck is going on with this voodoo black magic and i found this website that you just click on the link I sent you. This would be honestly would be so much more fun if we to get were together so we could scroll through it. But let's just do this um, remotely. So click that link. Okay. This website is called. Well, actually, I don't want to tell people what it's called because I don't want them to go to it. Where you can literally get voodoo revenge spells, voodoo curses, uh. and voodoo hexes. Okay. So go ahead and and describe this website. Yes. To people. All right. This is. If you guys listened to the Kumintang episode that we did last year, and they had a whole website dedicated to quote unquote gay magic, which we ended up realizing was probably magic that was like anti-gay. Um, it was hard to tell from the broken English on the page. That's what this looks like. This looks like that <laughs> website, but it's uh, advertised as voodoo revenge spells, voodoo curses, and voodoo hexes. And, and they they've got this trademarked thing called the ultimate revenge that you can buy. Can you read that warning that underneath the ultimate revenge? Yes. So first of all, they put like a gif of dripping blood, <laughs> blood. and then it says the ultimate revenge. And underneath it, it says warning with three exclamation points. This is not a joke. If you do not seek the ultimate revenge on your enemy, you should not be on this page. However, if you have been truly wronged, but be sure, please, and are seeking voodoo revenge, you are in the right place. If you have been wronged, hurt, traumatized by an evil person in your life, voodoo revenge is the finest revenge. The Ultimate Revenge Kit is the most powerful revenge kit on the market today. It contains all of the ingredients to cast the most powerful revenge spell possible. And yes, it is okay to seek revenge on those who have hurt you through no fault of your own. All right, I'm going to stop there. And I'm I gonna disagree. S- yeah, I'm <laughs> going to say that if you listen to Let's Get Haunted, you already know how we feel about black magic and revenge spells and like just curses in general. I wholeheartedly believe that if you do something like this that energy comes back to you tenfold well absolutely which is why they even in the in the kit it says the kit also contains a complete white candle protection ritual for yourself your home and your family but the truth is you don't need protection if you're sure that you're justified in seeking the revenge however we decided to include a protection ritual for you just in case you might accidentally be seeking revenge on someone who doesn't deserve it in this way you're protected from any negativity of any oh, kind no. if, if you have questions about the law of return the law of three 
or spells backfiring, please click here because the ultimate revenge kit is serious. Do not order it unless you are completely serious on getting revenge on your enemy and you are justified in doing so. You must be 18 years old to receive this kit. So basically what they're saying, like the law of three and spells uh, backfiring and the law of return says that like energy has to be equal, right? So I personally don't believe revenge is ever justified. Like even I think in Madame LaLaurie's case, like if the like obviously she was fucked up and like we all hate her and that would suck to have experienced torture and death at those hands but I think like when something like that happens to you to take that negativity and push it back on someone else it's not going to help you it's not going to give you your life back you know it's not going to like right any wrongs it might make you feel better in the moment but ultimately it's just going to make you feel worse because you're just engaging in like that same level of negativity you know so I read about this And they were saying, like, if you're not justified in seeking revenge, which in my opinion, you're never justified in seeking revenge, then that bad energy is going to come back to you, which is why they include this white candle protection spell in there. But the fact that they even include that in there is like showing that, like, you're definitely going to get some of this bad energy back. Right. Yeah, I definitely think that's something that I struggle with, like revenge. I'm definitely someone who like really wants to see justice done and when something like fucked up happens to me or someone I know I'm always like okay how first of all how can I protect that person that I love that's getting fucked upon and then second of all how can I fuck that other person back that those are definitely two thoughts that always go through my mind and interestingly something that has (laughs) helped me with that is working in HR because basically you never win Um, but, (laughs) but yeah, I definitely, I understand what you're saying. And that's something that I've thought about too. Like, what if my family member was horribly tortured and murdered and I could see myself being tempted to try to get revenge on that person. But I think also my fear of what would happen to me because Mm -hmm. I tried to do that, I, that might outweigh any pain I would want to inflict on someone else but I don't know I hope I'm never in that position well yeah I think we did an episode on Mark Kilroy the disappearance of Mark Kilroy Mm -hmm. where um, you guys should listen to that episode there's no time to explain but basically his parents at the end after their son was like horribly murdered in this horrible way they were just like you know what we forgive his murderer and we pray for his murderer so that he can find peace right. and come to god and we've created this fund in his name to help children basically you know help right. like athletes or whatever so like to me that's that's how you get your peace that's how you get your justice when you've been wronged is that you find a way to take that negativity that exists in the world and put it through this filter of love and light and make something positive out of it, you know, right. because you can never get that time back. You can never get your life back or whatever's happened to you, you know. But also, last thing I want to point out, if you scroll down on that website a little bit, mm-hmm. there's this thing that they sell called the New Orleans Chicken Foot Hex where you can literally anonymously send a cursed chicken foot to one of your enemies it's like an actual dried hexed chicken foot and it's a paper that say it says that they have been cursed and it comes in a black envelope and it's completely anonymous it says do you want to anonymously physically send a curse to someone now you can 
We will send an actual cursed chicken foot. Yes, it is an actual dried chicken foot, just as shown in the photo above, to anyone you choose, in the USA only. They will not know it is coming from you. It will be sent completely anonymously. There will be no way to track this back to you. If you're trying to get the point across that they have screwed the wrong person, receiving this in the mail will surely do that for them. Not to mention, scare the hell out of them. This is not a joke, not a novelty. This item will send the person an actual curse, though not as strong as something such as the ultimate revenge, trademarked, above. This is medium-level hex, meant to teach someone a lesson, scare them straight, and send them a strong message to just quit being an ass. It will not cause physical harm to anyone. How does it work? Easy. You order it. Mambo Sam hexes it in the person's name. You tell us where to send it. We send it. We don't use any of your information in sending the item. It's important to give us the name and proper address where you want it sent. This is an easy way to send a powerful message to someone that deserves it. What do we send? The actual dried hex chicken foot, the paper that says that they have been cursed, and it's all in a black envelope. <laughs> and then the paper says, the person. <laughs> it's like so stupid. It's written in this like crazy, uh, crazy. Uh, you guys have to go to Instagram to see this shit because this is so ridiculous. I'm if you looking at read it right this, now. Yeah. It says, the person that you did that thing to has cursed you with the voodoo chicken foot hex, skull and crossbones. You know what you did to deserve this. The chicken foot has come home to roost for you. Rest easy if you can. Retribution will win. Honestly, this is so fucking stupid. And this just like has our stalkers like energy all over it. Like (laughs) the fact that like you spend your time and to send someone something like this yeah rather than just like s- doing something person. good for yourself yeah, yeah what the fuck uh, i also want to say like that is completely incorrect so you guys do not send this to us do not send it to anyone you hate it is absolutely discoverable in a court of law like if if you right. have an attorney it's very easy. like if somebody sends you a chicken foot and you know that somebody like for perhaps you have a restraining order out on that person all you fucking have to do is have your attorney subpoena this chicken foot company and right if that chicken foot company doesn't want to produce the records well now they're in contempt or whatever the fuck it's called they're in compliant with the subpoena and they can go to jail or be fined and the other way to get so that they're information, not going to do it <laughs> yeah well and the other information way to get that information would be to subpoena the person you have a restraining order against and get their uh their records their uh debit and credit records right their bank statements and it is harassment absolutely sending- chicken feet to people with the this like threatening note is absolutely harassment and in a court of law will stand as right. harassment so if you guys fucking so, send us this shit as a joke i will find you i will fucking find you and i will i will Alyssa will yeah <laughs> she's done it before she'll do it again i'll do it again. you guys already heard Alyssa. Alyssa loves to seek justice that's her <laughs> form of getting revenge so don't give her the opportunity to legally fuck you because she will <laughs> i will find you i will i will probably not involve the police because they don't seem to do anything but i will find you and i will say sir or ma'am fuck you I'm just picturing you having a monologue like that, you know, Liam Neeson <laughs> and Taken being like, I don't know who you are, 
but I have a set of very specific skills I learned in HR. And <laughs> I will find you and I will make your life so fucking annoying with papers <laughs> and strange laws you didn't know about. <laughs> and I will waste a lot of your time That's throughout right. the work week. I will fucking... <laughs> I, I have a lot of time on my hands. I don't, but I somehow am able to squeeze in many things that I shouldn't be able to squeeze in into 24 hours, and I will make it my mission to make your life really fucking inconvenient if you send me a hexed chicken foot. So that's my story. I personally think Madame Lollery was on some black magic negativity bullshit, and she ended up, you know, like it all came to a head. People suddenly hated her, and they, you know, burned her whole estate to the ground. So... Yeah. She had to live in exile, disappear. But the creepiest thing is, did she come back yeah, under a different name? I can't stop yeah. thinking about Nick Cage having a weird white pyramid in a cemetery in New Orleans. Nick Cage, ha- Nick, what, yeah, Nick Cage has a fetish for for New Orleans historical properties, which makes me think that maybe he is. Like some sort of reincarnated weirdo. I don't know, Nick Cage. Yeah. What are you doing? Come on the show. Come on the show. Talk to us yeah. about it. Tell us Defend why. yourself. Yeah, defend yourself. Because I used to love you. So come on here and defend yourself. Well, excellent story, right. Natalia. I really enjoyed myself. Um, oh, thank you. It was a horrifying story. I think it's probably one of the worst stories we've ever covered on this show. But... Thanks. It's definitely very interesting, and I just can't believe that people actively live in that cursed fucking mansion. Insane. I know. It just seems like, it seems so fucking stupid. Like, why? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it. It's just more, it's just more negativity. But would you like to do our sign-off? Yeah. BRB gotta go subpoena a hexed chicken foot company. (laughs) Bye. Bye. My sources for today's episode are crimemuseum.org, historythings.com, blackpast.org, history.com, vanityfair.com, myneworleans.com, spellmaker.com, nightlyspirits.com, and a blog called thecarpetbagger.org. Also, Wikipedia, obviously. <laughs>